You are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome, everybody, to your favorite day of the week. I'm Anthony Irwin. I'm joined by Adam Matas, and we are welcoming everybody to the NBA offseason. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you're going to open this up, huh? That's, I guess you, you are right. Technically, we are officially in the offseason. All right. I got to say, though. This is one of my favorite finals of – if it wasn't marred by all the stuff that we found out after the fact, right, especially Clay Thompson, we find out literally right before you and I started recording that he has torn his ACL um, and, and you know, given the timing of his contract status, that sucks. KD obviously sucks, his injury, that all. But the series itself, the drama that was manifested throughout the series was fascinating to me and and I thought it was – that that last game was an amalgam- amalgamation of everything. Oh, this was, I think, blocking out, like you said, all of this stuff, all of the injury, some of the drama off the court or whatever, the Drakes, throw all that stuff out. The game itself or the series itself was really compelling. Re- there were some great moments. I don't feel like any either of the, you know, I don't feel like Golden State blew it or, or anything no. like that. And Toronto, you know, I don't feel like, you know, if they were the games they lost or the moments they were, I don't feel like they blew it. Both teams just <laughs> were really, really good. And there were some big moments and some guys stepped up in big moments. And it was, it, it was a lot of fun. So and it was a- intense. So we've had LeBron James, <laughs> you know, futile effort the last two years trying to get Cleveland just to the finals. And then like, whatever, they're going to mm-hmm. get blown out. This was an actual interesting, like, the championship hanging in the balance. I just, we hadn't felt that in a long time. They were throwing haymakers. It was incredible. So today's show, the way it's all going to play out, we are going to talk about the game itself um, and then some of the series as well. And then because of the fallout, because of Kevin Durant going down, because of Clay Thompson going down, we're going to talk about the Warriors and maybe where they go from there uh, in, in a vacuum or in isolated off to themselves. And then finally, because we are now in the NBA offseason – and nobody sleeps <laughs> this time of year. Uh, we are going to talk about the fallout across the NBA and where all these teams go from here and what the impact this series itself, like the series itself might have an impact on the way that the offseason yeah. goes. It's fascinating Oh, it definitely stuff. does. Yeah. It, it's it's going to be great. So, uh, so let's start, though. And by the way, if you guys are looking for a place to find podcasts, check out Himalaya. They provide an incredible platform. It's a free place to find podcasts. All of your favorite podcasts are there, including this one and all of the Locked On Network podcasts as well. Uh, but yeah, let's start here with the game itself. Uh, it we got to start with Kyle Lowry, I think. You, you think? I was <laughs> yes. gonna, I was going to say that I I was thrown I was blown away by the pace that the teams were playing. It was yeah. crazy. <laughs> it was frenetic. It was intense. It felt like. Every moment was uh, an opportunity to change the game. I mean, it really did feel like every time down court was, oh man, if they land this punch, it's over, kind of thing. And both ways, and, and that's part of what made it so great. But Kyle Lowry, he's taken a lot of flack throughout his career, mm-hmm. even this playoff series, and even after Game Five, which I think unfairly so, he shoots that shot. Was it Game Five? Yeah, it was Game Five. Yeah, he ta- he takes that shot in the corner, gets tipped by Draymond Green, hits the side of the backboard, and everybody, oh, classic Lowry. Here he goes. He <laughs> He set the tone for this game. He personally came out and threw the haymaker um, with that 8-0 run on his own. A couple big-time shots. You could just tell he had his confidence. He was in his zone. He finished 9-16. And he was a team-high plus 16. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was he was huge tonight. 26 points, 10 assists, 7 rebounds, near triple-double. I, I'm really happy that he played so well in this game in particular 
because in a lot of ways this feels like his team as much as anybody's team. Yeah, it was. I think it was very important that Lowry set the tone, right? It, it, I agree. It either yep. had to be Lowry or Kawhi, and that it was Lowry. I think people really, you know, felt lifted up by that. That it was him, yeah. right? I think that was really cool to see. And then you know, I, I so we talked about like the frenetic pace and and the haymakers that were thrown here. What was wild was that for large chunks of this game. It was still incredibly well played. There were turnovers and stuff like that, but like the shot making was incredible. The yeah. the the execution was incredible. Clay Thompson was incredible. He the, was the making Cajones everything. Factor, I think was 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 incredible because there was a yeah. lot of just like guys stepping up. You know, can we have a Cajones um, stat? A Cajones stat, <laughs> full Cajones. It's both, just both Sam Cassell, like just walking. <laughs> Clay Thompson, though, 8 of 12, and obviously we're going to talk about the injury later yeah. on in the show, but 8, eight of 12 from the field is insane. Yeah. Game 6, Clay is a thing, right? It is. It's like a for real thing, and it 30 is. points. He was, um, had he not gotten hurt, I have little doubt he would have gone for 40, maybe even 50. Um, he just had that look in his eye, and Draymond Green. You know, I actually think this was a really good game from him. 11 points, 13 assists, 19 rebounds. Yeah. He did have the eight turnovers, which we have a group chat. We were talking about this. I think a lot of the turnovers from him in particular, he's basically the point guard on this team. And he's mm-hmm. the, the facilitator and playmaker. And it's hard not to turn the ball over when you have only one or two guys to pass to. And quite frankly, yeah, he, he has Steph in one side, swing it to Alfonso McKinney on the other side, Quinn Cook, who couldn't hit a shot tonight. I mean, he just had so many guys that um, both he had not. The, the, there were a lot of lineups out there that had not played together for the Warriors all season, and then also just, lineup that had never. <laughs> they, they, so there's a two. It's a two point game, and the, you're, it's an elimination game. It's Game Six of the NBA Finals, and the the Warriors had to roll out a lineup of Jonas Jerebko, Demarcus Cousins, Draymond Green at small forward. Okay, <laughs> sure. Uh, Sean Livingston and, and and Cook, and you're just thinking, come on, man. Like this lineup had never played together. Your back's against the wall facing elimination. But um, unfortunately, that was the situation they were in. They had to buy Steph Curry two or three minutes. And if well, he's they, not on the court, they who's outplayed score? him. They did. I think it was a plus one. <laughs> I thought. I thought after that stretch that that was the stretch that that Toronto was going to look back on and felt feel like they lost the game. Because you have to vastly outplay that lineup, but they got outplayed, and that's what's so crazy about well, this series. I, I don't think they got outplayed. They, well, they got outscored. They got, <laughs> got outscored. They got. <laughs> that's what I meant. <laughs> but <laughs> but like you know they they get outscored in that show. and and that's kind of what I loved about this series was that there were so many narratives that 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 are, were so long standing that you know the Kyle Lowry thing is is the perfect example of it. But there are so many things that you just thought. This can't happen if they want to win. But then it happened and they won anyway. And then this <laughs> if this is going to happen, they have no chance. Well, it happened and they had a chance anyway. And it was just it was such a fascinating series and you know, for a sport that that gets knocked a lot for predetermination, right? That at the beginning of the season, we know how it's going to play out and all these things. It was great throughout this entire series that I felt like I had no idea how it was going to go. I that's how I'm always going to remember the series. It was incredible. I, I felt like the Warriors were going to lose. The only time I felt like they were going to win was when Kevin Durant was going to play in yeah. Game 5. Uh, and then 12 minutes later, it's like, okay, they're going to lose again. Yeah. Um, that was the only time I really thought that. Um, and, and, and I'm impressed with the Warriors, quite frankly. Yeah. this was a, this. Not a lot of teams can lose 
that many players at that many different games and still come out throwing punches and almost get this done like they did. Um, but Andre Godala tonight, nine of 15, he went three of six. Um, he just classic Godala, not a three point score, but he just seems to hit him when, when you <laughs> absolutely like, have when to. they absolutely have to have him. DeMarcus He's like Cousins. the shack of three point shooters, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Free throws. Um, you know, DeMarcus Cousins, I thought was, was good. I mean, he was aggressive offensively, yeah, which he could ask for. Yeah. He can't play defense. And I thought he was being too conservative offensively. That's what he needed to do was what he did tonight is just be a bully. Um, but Fred Van Fleet in the, in the fourth quarter, I mean, what a performance from him. MVP point, <laughs> MVP vote getter, <laughs> Fred Van Fleet. Thank you very much. Five of 11 from the three-point line for him. He gets 22 points. The, the Raptors had four guys score 20 or more. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was one of them. And to me, you basketball, you look at they always say it's a make-or-miss league. You could easily say this game came down to Pascal Siakam goes three of six. Mm-hmm. He hadn't made a three I, in, in forever. Games. Yeah. Um, and then Fred Van Fleet goes five of 11. So combined, they go eight of 17, just the two of them. And, um, you know, in such a close game, that's really what it comes down to. So, um <laughs> but a heck of a game. Just big moments, big plays. Pretty perfect that that a dude who looks like Drake has that game. <laughs> you think? For the I don't see it. He's I like don't see it. he's like if if Drake if if there was a movie made about Drake that was unauthorized. Remember those old ones from like Lifetime? <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's Fred Van Vliet would play uh, Drake in in that kind of a spot. Uh, but yeah, I it's it's it was a great series and and shouts to Toronto. Did you see the clip after after it was done? Uh, from it was like somebody sitting there on the thirty seventh floor yeah, of, a, of a high yeah. rise apartment, and you could hear it clearly from all the way up there. Shouts to Toronto for for their first championship, and shouts to the Raptors for an incredible season. Uh, a, it, this is a the kind of season fan. they'll never forget. Oh, a terrific fan base. And, and yeah. I mean, honestly, the, sincerely, they deserve one. I mean, for yeah. the, just in terms of how much they support their team, suffered and stuck with them through all the suffering. To me, I, that's what sports are all about and at their best. I mean, we saw some of the worst of what sports can do to a fan base in, in this playoffs, yeah. although I think some of that overstated a little bit. But mm-hmm. still, it's there. But this – you also see the best, and and when you see a city like an entire city, not not a couple people, but an entire city, yeah. sort of celebrating. And in in two thousand nineteen, <laughs> in two thousand nineteen, how often do we see like that much unity in a city? For even if it's something as frivolous as sports, it's still something I think is really cool. Absolutely. We're going to take a quick second here, and when we come back, we're going to try to figure out where the Warriors go from here. And it's tough. It, it feels almost calloused to talk about this when the news is so fresh, uh, but this is the, this is the sport we live in, right? So we're going to try to, we're try to, we're going to try to figure that out uh, right here in a bit. I, I, the thing I can't get out of my head with Clay's injury is that he was ready to come back out. He hits those two free throws and, and the, Steve Kerr was calling for zone. Remember they were in that like 2-1-2 zone yeah. that they were playing? Yeah. He's calling for – and it was Boogie who was like, no, no, no. I'm going to foul. You got to go back to the bench. And when you consider right. the injury that he Saved had, his life. Yeah. We just, I mean the torn ACL is, is – I'd have to talk to Jen. Uh, my wife is a physical therapist. Um, and, and I'd have to figure out what the, what the recovery time from that. But if he goes out there and he goes and, and tears his MCL too – as a result of playing on a torn ACL, now you're talking about a completely different si- situation. Damage cartilage. I mean, it just it doesn't stabilize, right? So yeah. I, I, maybe not in a lot of pain, maybe a little shock there, but also just I think with ACLs, not always 
the most painful injury, even though they're very serious, obviously yeah. very serious. But you lose all the stability. So him out there, ooh, I can play through this. Let's see what it is. Plants the wrong way, then yeah, you maybe you damage even worse. So right. um, maybe have narrowly avoided something there. But let's be honest, this was as disastrful of an yeah. end to a season as you can possibly imagine for yeah, a single franchise. Really and it it sucks for the players involved. It sucks for the franchise. Um, I thought when when KD went down that the Warriors next season, especially if KD were to opt in, which it sounds like maybe a lot of people now saying he'll get a max anywhere, and yeah. so maybe he'll be like out an hour out anyway. after he got hurt. There was a report that the Lakers, Knicks, Clippers, and Nets were all ready to max him out anyway. Yeah. Anyway, but now you have you add Clay Thompson to that mix of a guy that's likely to miss half of next season, and then you know be coming back from an injury from there. To me, this is um, Draymond said after the game, it's foolish to count us out. And and quite frankly, Anthony, I thought that same exact thing. I thought, yeah. okay, KD's out the door. They're going to go back to the old Warriors. They're going to add a few rotation pieces, which is all they needed. Mm -hmm. And I thought the Warriors were going to be my favorite going into next year. And it was going to be one of those things where they get to be the underdogs again. Yeah. Um, that all goes out the window now for me. And it's just wild to think. But, you know, this injury to Clay happening – a quarter and a half towards the end of the sea, the last game of the actual NBA season, it's it's just bad luck, man. It it really is, and and you can't predict these things. Like it's this isn't he he jumped up. It was a freak thing. He was barely over the rim. You see this kind of play all the time, right? You and I were talking about yeah. how you you're one of the few people in the blogosphere who can dunk, and you said that like I would I, I would try to avoid doing that at at all at all costs in those spots because. You all you knew you had very little runway to work with on on the way down. He's a rim grazer. He's not a powerful dunker, so he had yeah. nothing really to do there. My thing with the Warriors is this: I want I when Kevin Durant went down the first time, I thought we saw truly inspired play from Draymond Green. Oh in, yeah, in we, well we we were reminded of how great he was. Yeah, and and Steph too. Like both of those in right. play. The three of them throw Iguodala in there, and you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. These guys do this thing that's pretty incredible. Right. So I, I still think, you know, they're, I think you'll get – I think we'll get the overreaction of will they make the playoffs next year. I still think a Steph team gets to the playoffs. And even, even in the West, I still think a, a Steph and Draymond team gets to the playoffs. And if, if Clay Thompson, who, by the way – is an Iron Man like his entire career has always recovered really really quickly? Um, even this same playoffs, right? He had that hamstring issue that people, you know, people were saying that he was screaming in the hallway from, right? Yeah. And he's able to play the next day, the I think the game after that. Um, so if he's able to come back around the the all or the All Star break or or the trade deadline in, in February, uh, I think that is it, right? One of those two. Yeah. But if he's yeah. if he's able to come back in in February ish, and they're still in the hunt, I wouldn't want to play them in the in the playoffs. That's for that. that some some team, some poor two or three seed is going to have to play the Warriors in the playoffs next year, and I wouldn't want to do that. You're absolutely right. That's possible, but we're getting ahead of ourselves even just with that because. You know, you looked at this Warriors team, and I think we all assumed they were just going to run it back. Draymond Green has one more year. Mm -hmm. Clay Thompson, a free agent, re, you know, re up him, and 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 now you can you can start building that old Warriors team back again. But yeah. now you look at it, you know, Draymond has one more year. D is he more valuable now? 
if you're not gonna if you're just gonna have Steph and him, and then you pay Clay Thompson, or yeah, you pay Clay, but he doesn't play for most of the year, then you have to talk about the vulnerability of listen. Steph Curry's played 69 games this year, 51 the year before. Um, it's not it's not that he's injury prone. I, I don't want to label him with that, but you know he's a smaller guy. He's played he a was lot at the of beginning minutes of his career. At the beginning of his career, he just played five straight seasons going all the way to the finals. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's a smaller guy. So you're saying those guys, Draymond and, and, and Curry, are enough. Well, if a lot of your money goes to a player that's not going to be back till February, so already you're you're going to be shorthanded, mm-hmm. what happens if Steph Curry misses three weeks? I mean, yeah. how good are they with Draymond Green and a bunch of role players? I mean, at some point, these things just come, you know, the bad luck takes over. And the Warriors, again, I'm not going to predict it. There's a lot of stuff that can happen. But the Warriors, I've never been – their, their future has never been more uncertain, not just from a how good will they be, but also just from a what, what, what risks will are they, they willing to incur? What will they be? Exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, how – last question here before we move on to the next segment. How will you define the Warriors' dynasty? If, you, if we're willing to wonder if they're able to make the playoffs next year, yeah. this is kind of the end of that dynasty. How do you define it? I, as an absolutely dominant dynasty, the greatest team I've ever watched, and I watched the, the Jordan Bulls, um, mm-hmm. I think this team was better. They lost two playoff series in five years, one of which – look, there's no asterisk. I don't – this isn't an excuse. I think who yeah. wins, wins, and there's no – that's all that matters. It's not what could have happened. It's what did happen. But – we still look at it and say Draymond was suspended, Bogut was hurt. You know, all those things had to go wrong for them to lose in 2016. This year, I I don't think anybody can realistically look at the Warriors, what they did this year, going to six games, narrowly, narrowly losing in six, and say, oh, yeah, they wouldn't have won had they been healthy. I mean, come on. Yeah. I think it's clear they would have won had they been healthy. So to me, the greatest team I ever watched. Um, but here's what I would say. The NBA is in a great place. There is so much talent in this league. I don't know that we're going to see a bunch of three-peats and stuff going forward. I mean, maybe if we see more and more stacking the deck with players kind of all, and, and maybe we will see that well, this it summer. Was such a, it was such a fluke situation because of the cap jump, right, right. that they were able yep. to land Kevin Durant. But, I mean, we we talked about this with the Raptors before we came on the air. The Raptors won on a buzzer beater in Game 7 against the 76ers. Then they yeah. had a great series. They were down 0-2 double overtime in game three against the great Milwaukee team. And then they win this one. There were four or five teams this year that could have won a title. And I just think that the NBA is going to have team. That's what we have going forward. I think there'll be super teams, but I think that there's so much talent in the league that there's going to be a lot of really, really good teams and, and challengers. I really hope they change the coverage of the sport. And I say this as a Lakers fan, if you're going to have so many teams that have chances at championships, Fans need to know more about those teams as we get before we get to the postseason. The NBA, and this is that we could, we'll probably talk about this maybe more in in the mm-hmm. offseason because there's not as much to talk about. But I do, well, think yeah, not much Adam to talk Silver. about this offseason. <laughs> <laughs> well, come August and September, maybe you know there there are the doldrums. But um, I do think one thing Adam Silver on on that he he's done a fantastic job. I think best commissioner in sports. But one thing I don't think – I think he's now kind of coming to terms with is the influence of their television and broadcast partners and how much the league – I think that they felt they had more control over it than they actually do right now. And um, the way that those television partners in particular and broadcast partners market the league really affects them. And to your point, Milwaukee's really good. Toronto is really good. Is TNT, ESPN, all the other broadcast partners and, and marketing partners going to advertise those teams as much as they need? 
I hope so, because that's what you need to do. You need to promote your best teams and your best players, even if they're not in your biggest markets. I agree. When we come back from a quick break, we're going to talk about the Lakers. (laughs) A lot of fallout from this series, man. (laughs) I couldn't help myself. You could. It was a good one. That was a great. That was a good send off. Uh, all right. Um. So, <laughs> the the outcome of this series. It's really rare. I think that you can say this about an NBA championship. Maybe a, a championship just in general. That it might actually help shape what the league is going to look like for years to come. Right. I, I think it was an inflection point. I, I think that we will look at this similar to how we looked at 2014. With LeBron leaving Miami, and it's like, okay, things are different now. Mm-hmm. I, I think this is one of those years where it's like, okay, this era, this mini era is over, and now there's a new era, you know, kind of beginning, and we don't know what it will be. Yeah. Let's start with Kawhi Leonard. I, I think he – well, who do you think is who do you think is the, a bigger domino to fall, Kawhi or KD? In the immediate future, it's Kawhi because KD obviously missing an entire season. Um, But I do think it's Kawhi, and he's long been rumored to um, head west to the Clippers, and Mm -hmm. and it sounds like I I would still probably put my money on that. Um, It's crazy to think of him leaving Toronto and the great situation he has. The parade that they're going to have is going to be an all-timer, especially Mm -hmm. it it is now Thursday, Anthony. That parade's probably going to take place on a Saturday or Sunday. And oh my goodness, Toronto. I might fly to Toronto too. I'm going to check flights to see. I'm not even a Raptors sure fan, but still good. I'm going to go to Toronto. Yeah. Um, so there's that, you know, that whole, you know, that that whole part of it. If he stays in Toronto, that would be, I think, um, that would change the direction of the league. If he goes to the Clippers, that would change. So to me, he's probably the bigger domino. Here's the case I would make for Kevin Durant. Kawhi's decision doesn't really impact other people. Right. Maybe. I don't I don't think Kawhi going to the Clippers is going to send like Jimmy Butler to the Clippers. But, you know, where the Clippers have the assets to trade for Anthony Davis should they want to throw their hat in the ring and they haven't been rumored in it. And I think we take, oh, there haven't been rumors, so they're not interested. But maybe they haven't had rumors because they have a tight lipped organization. (laughs) What's that like? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> maybe they're not leaking things to the media every couple of weeks like the celtics and lakers do yeah well i think the pelicans are, are doing their share of leaking too well, but, yeah, yeah, but i i think the the but like i was saying though the, the case i would make for kd in 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 this comparison and i mostly agree with you by the way like yeah obviously the guy who is going to be healthy next year is the bigger piece <laughs> right, right? Uh, but if durant goes to brooklyn and that means that Kyrie goes to brooklyn <laughs> That essentially takes Boston out of the AD sweepstakes, right? Maybe. That that would also kind of sort of take Brooklyn out of the AD sweepstakes, right? Just because I don't know if they can even make that work cap-wise. It would would basically take New York out of the AD sweepstakes, right? Because now they got a plan for the future. Uh, so there are there are all these implications of of Kevin Durant's decision that I don't think you necessarily see from from Kawhi. Maybe, uh, maybe not. I think you're making a few assumptions. I don't think you're wrong, by the way. I think yeah. you're likely you're following the thread in the correct order. But you know, Zach Lowe had a great piece that he must have pre-written because he published it about three minutes after the final buzzer sounded. <laughs> yeah. But he had a great piece, and and there was a line in there that just said. 
you know, this is what the Raptors championship means. If you have a great culture, if you, if you have a great culture and you have a solid team and you really believe in yourself, why not bet on yourself to take a swing for the fences? And there are a handful of teams. Now he, he also talked about how the Raptors were in the perfect spot where it actually wasn't a risk. They weren't going to win the championship as constructed. So it wasn't Mm -hmm. like they were risking a five. And also San Antonio made a terrible trade. (laughs) And also that happened as well. Yes. (laughs) Um, But you know, there might be a. I, I still am not ruling out this this team that we're not talking about to to emerge, and it could be the Clippers. But I'm just saying this other team that throws their hat in the ring, and you think, oh yeah, they do have the assets yeah. to Portland, to make a for play example. for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just it, Portland is 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 a great example of that. But it could be even be somebody even more off of the radar because right. look, Anthony Davis is a heck of a player, and the best team he has had in New Orleans was not that great. Mm-hmm. So maybe. Another team that's only slightly better than not that great gets him. And you know what? Maybe he's good enough to be that guy. So right now, the big conversation across Lakers Twitter is a conversation about leverage, right? Kirk's favorite (laughs) – our buddy Kirk Henderson's favorite conversation. Um, And the the one thing I wrote was that when it's a player as great as Anthony Davis is, you should never assume that the offers that you see in front of you are the only ones. Right. right. And and like you said, and I, I like I believe Zach Lowe made the point that he made in his article, even if even if you're a Portland, right, and you trade for Anthony Davis and he only stays there one year. Well, you were going to hit a reset button anyway at some point. Yeah. Portland, you know? Portland's a good – I think they're they're somewhat comparable to Toronto. I mean they have a little bit more upside, but with Nurkic's injury, they – it's probably another year before they get yeah. back to really seeing what they have. So they are another team that has less to lose than, say, a Denver or or uh, I've seen Sacramento's name thrown out. Like those teams, you know, they have several more years yeah. of the same core of, of expected growth. Um, but, yeah, teams like that. But also don't just don't don't pass. On, all I'll say is don't pass on the Clippers. The Clippers have a lot of tradable assets. Kawhi Leonard allegedly wanting to be there. Kawhi and Anthony Davis. You don't need a whole lot else besides that. No, that's, I, I would that's probably argue start. you still need a point guard, but apparently they aren't willing to include Shea Gilgis Alexander in anything, so they think he's uh, that point guard. Again, this is those are the types of things you say on no, this I know, day I know. over I, the I, next it's week. Yeah. <laughs> it's all posturing. <clears throat> Speaking of posturing, though, we 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 would be remiss if we didn't talk about this because it is another major domino, right? Uh, there were reports, Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN has been reporting now for a few days that the Pelicans, not the Lakers, but the Pelicans want to get a deal done before the NBA draft, right? Yeah. And then Makes Dave, sense. Dave McMenamin came out today who reports from LA, right? The team he's covered all last season has been the Lakers. He's now saying that no, uh, there is no such deadline on this and that this could extend to the draft, if not beyond it, right? There have been reports that Kyle Kuzma somehow is a linchpin in this deal, right? (laughs) Which is just hilarious. Again, it's posturing. It's hilarious, but yeah. And then Ramona Shelburne came out today, again, from LA, and said, no, that's not the case. That's It's ridiculous. It's as ridiculous as it sounds, right? And like my thing with all of this is, of course nobody knows anything. (laughs) Right, <laughs> it's a major, major trade that that's impossible to and and the point that but, I think needs to be made in situations like this is the trade with these superstars is never the one that we saw coming. Yeah, it's never it, Paul George. Nobody saw OKC coming. 
Nobody saw Toronto coming with Kawhi. Philly a th- a with third, Jimmy. A third team coming in, I think, is a likely scenario, and, and maybe that's the biggest piece of it. I mean, maybe Anthony Davis still ends up in L.A., and those yeah. pieces also end up out of L.A., but where does everybody land? That That's kind of an interesting one. So the reason I think the draft is interesting, and, and I actually think the trade will get done before the draft, yeah. um, is because you talk about these young pieces moving. Does New Orleans want to get Zion and Drew Holiday and Bradley Beal and be good? Mm-hmm. Or, or do they want to get a bunch of young guys and some draft picks and say, you know what, we're going to start, we're going to reset, we're going to take our time and and build this thing slowly? Either way, if they're taking in a big-name player, they're probably sending out a draft pick and mm-hmm. the team's going to want to draft their own players. Or they're taking in draft picks and they're going to want to pick their own players. So I don't think this drama will – will I do think it's going to extend all the way up until the draft, but I don't think it's going to be one that goes past it. For my own sanity, I hope it happens in the next 15 minutes. and and look to from the lakers perspective of this and and this is where i've been frustrated with how they've handled this one why leak stuff right like we the lakers already saw the impact that this had on the locker room back at the trade deadline and now here we are doing the same thing all over again not we as in i'm not a part of the lakers but we as in we are watching the same tv show Right. Yeah, yeah. So that's been that's been frustrating to go by. And then and then the fact that so the the conversation that I had on Locked On Lakers today was uh what what are we defining as the line? And at no point in any type of sanity should Kyle Kuzma make up any part of that line, right? That that you don't go beyond to to, to land in Anthony Davis. And so Of course not. Yeah, and and so Preposterous. like it is. And, and even if Genie Bus absolutely adores Kyle Kuzma, which is which is not very hard to dig up. So if you if you look at this from from the Lakers standpoint, you're dealing with a team that doesn't want to send you Anthony Davis. You're dealing with a team that doesn't want to trade Anthony Davis in the first place. But would if you, if they see a trade of equal or even slightly below value of what you're offering, they're going to make that trade. And so I think in the Lakers. Everybody has been talking about this from the Pelican standpoint that they need to get this done as soon as possible. But if if we actually – if I was to look this actually honestly, I would say that the Lakers need to get this done sooner rather than later because that takes away the possibility that that third team, that mystery team does pop up. That's what I'm watching for over the weekend. Yeah, but I think Griff's smart enough to know that he's got time. I don't think the Lakers are going to change. They're going to reduce their offer. I just, quite frankly, they can't afford to, they can, the Lakers cannot afford to go into next season with LeBron James and the kids again. They just can't afford to do it. I think so to me, I think you're overlooking how dumb Palenka has been in his negotiations. (laughs) My dude, Nego tried to strong arm Teron Lou into a three year deal to be there. It's true. That did happen. So yeah. Uh, All right. Fascinating, fascinating series, entire night. Uh, thoughts and the prayers. next week. The next week is one of the craziest in the NBA, though. That's we we didn't do a good job, in my opinion, of really hyping how nuts this next week is. It's insane. What are you talking about? We talked about <laughs> Kevin Durant. You're talking about like seven all NBA players who could be changing teams in the next, you know, couple weeks, and then that's not even including the draft. And a draft, by the way, that's probably going to have fireworks because it's not very good. So teams are going to be moving all around the place. It's going to be great. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That'll do it for this episode and this week's episode of the Locked On NBA podcast. Uh, this was Locked On Mock Draft Week, which yeah. uh, did really, really well. 
the support for it was was great to see. David does a great job of, of putting that together and getting all of us knuckleheads together to get our draft picks in and trades all so, sorted. So check those shows out if you have a chance. Uh, congratulations to the Raptors. Incredible, incredible series. I can't wait to see the images from Toronto on Saturday if that is when they have their uh, parade. Uh, but for now, have a great one. <laughs>